You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 5th, 2020. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. We've got a special episode of Locked On Magic today. We'll talk all about the trade deadline since we have a game on Wednesday, and I, I do tend to, to focus on games, perhaps to my detriment. But you're joined today by Stuart Hodge, our correspondent, who flips the tables on me a little bit, gets me to answer answer questions that, that you might have that I wouldn't otherwise since I monologue a lot on this show. Stuart, how are you doing today, bud? Yeah, not too bad. Um, hopeful of something being done uh, before the trade deadline. But um, yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen. I, I think we're in the state of just waiting for the trigger to be pulled. Lots of lots of the Magic fans in the Magic Twitter sphere. So yeah, um, I'm kind of excited to see what happens over the next day or two. Um, but yeah, let's let's see what happens, eh? Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting trade deadline. You know, it's been very quiet on the rumor front. I know that that Woe just posted a few things here of late that that certainly have some interest. I wouldn't say it's the most interesting things. I mean, Luke Kennard is, I think, something someone that Magic players yep. liked a lot. Um, if he's being talked about with Phoenix, I think that means Mikal Bridges is probably on the table. Another guy that I think a lot of Magic fans were interested in and intrigued about. Um, but it's it's been a very quiet trade deadline. I mean, even for the Magic who who don't tend to leak things and tend to be very quiet around around the deadline, um, it's been oddly quiet. I mean, I think the only rumor that I've seen involving a name the Magic were interested in was Dennis Smith Jr. of the New York Knicks. Um, and uh, I believe they can acquire him using the disabled player exception they got for Al Farouk Aminu. So that's, I mean, not a, a, a major change. We're not hearing a lot about Evan Fournier, who a lot of people thought would be on the trading block and, and probably yep. still is. Um, we're not hearing a lot about Aaron Gordon. Certainly the Magic probably have less impetus to trade him with Jonathan Isaac. And so I think there's a a lot of questions and a lot of fair questions to ask about what the Magic are working on here at the trade deadline and what they're kind of previewing or looking ahead to in a summer that, you know, even I believe is going to be a big summer of change for this team. Yeah, I mean, we've been standing pat for so long now that it's just got to the point where I think everyone can see that this team is reaching very much the the, the peak of its powers in its current form. Um, I mean, obviously, there, there's a few injuries and stuff to contend with this season, but you're not going to move the needle much further with the pieces that are there at the moment. And the way that I see this sort of discussion going for us over the, the sort of next half hour or so is just based on on individual names and, and the speculation as to, to what might happen, what could happen or what probably will happen with all of these people. Now, you've mentioned a couple of them there. Um, first off, we'll start with Aaron Gordon. And my opinion on it is um, the, the Magic have invested so much time in Aaron Gordon and the thing about his game is, at different times, different aspects of his game look good. He's obviously got the free throw shooting sort of issues at the moment, but at the same time, he's been really good from three over the past few games. Um, shooting from distance. Uh, he seems to be getting slightly more into the habit. Um, and this does go through periods of where he gets it right and periods where he doesn't, of letting the game come to him and just playing his natural game. But I think with the emergence of Markel Fultz, I think that the Magic really need to keep Aaron Gordon because I think eventually, once the rest of the parts are, are there, that Aaron Gordon is going to just fit seamlessly with the rest of the whole. He's so good on defence. He's an athletic juggernaut. And 
He's a guy that's got a decent all-round game now. And I think once you've got Markel Fultz, you've got the, the so-called Minister of Defence, um, who will return to the, the lineup probably next season now, there, there's lots there to be intrigued about for, for, for the Orlando Magic. And I think Aaron Gordon can be an important part of that as long as we don't sort of give up on him. I, I think I think cashing in on Gordon for whatever the return might be, unless it's something outrageous, would be very, very silly for the Magic at the moment. There's also the fact that he's got six years in the league and he's still so young. I mean, that, and he just fits in with the timeline of the, the sort of, uh, we've talked about it before, how the Magic have got their current team, the, the, the sort of Euro team with Vucevic and Fournier, and then they've got the sort of younger emerging team. Gordon's kind of been a bridge between the two of those, but his timeline fits with the second one. So I think it would be silly to give up on him. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a difficult season for Aaron Gordon. I mean, there's, there's no getting around that. If, if the Magic had designs of flipping Gordon into a star player, I think those designs are kind of put on the back burner because he's just had such a difficult season. And, and a lot of that, you know, I think, I think Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer did a really good job highlighting the ways that the Magic don't use Aaron Gordon correctly. They don't use him a lot in screen and rolls. They've kind of pigeonholed him as a perimeter attacker instead of maybe a screener and, and mover and cutter. And Gordon is really effective on cuts. And so I do agree that the Magic have kind of built a roster this year that that doesn't always use Gordon effectively. I would also argue that Gordon doesn't use himself effectively sometimes. Um, but he's he's gotten better with that. I think injuries have played a huge role in his struggles this year. He hasn't really, you know, he 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 gets injured and it feels like he he goes all the way back to zero sometimes um with his development or what he's gained over the summer or gained over over the course of a season. Uh, and so I think I think there's a lot of frustration with with Aaron in that front, and 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 you know no doubt if this Magic team wanted to compete for something a little more real than just making the playoffs, if they wanted to get home court advantage or anything like that, they needed Aaron Gordon to take a big step up, and and obviously he just has not done that. I mean there's there's no there's no getting around that. But like you said, he's just 24 years old. It's really really hard to convince me that you should just dump the guy just to dump the guy. Um, it, it's still really hard to convince me that Gordon and Isaac don't work together perfectly. Um, certainly, I think one of them has to turn into a 35% three-point shooter if it's going to work ever. Uh, but I, I don't think that that's an experiment to completely give up on quite yet. And, you know, I'm going to probably say this a lot for a lot of the players we're going to talk about today. If the return is right, you definitely pursue it. If you feel like you're going to, you get a deal that makes your team better, both in the short and the long term, you absolutely do it. With Gordon, I'm still of the opinion that you do not trade him unless you're getting back uh, an all-star caliber guy or a guy that you feel can turn into an all-star because that's essentially what you mapped out for Aaron Gordon to begin with. And there's no reason to think that Gordon still can't reach that level. Maybe he maybe he won't ever reach that level that we all dream of, but there's still no reason to think that Gordon won't continue to get better or show improvements in certain areas. And honestly, to me, he is still the best individual defender on the team, even though he's not been as good defensively as in years past, he's still the best ball container in, in the league. And if you can get him to kind of lock in on that end, which I, I think he will as, as games get more serious here, if you can get him to lock in on that end, uh, he, he's going to be a huge benefit overall. Yeah, I totally agree. In, in terms of what the Magic might sort of look for, what what do you think it would take to tip the balance um, for, for the front office to actually look at, at trading Gordon as a serious proposition? Are we talking an all-star caliber talent? Is it going to take that? Or could it be um, sort of a decent, serviceable player that fits the team's needs with some nice picks? Or what, what do you think? I, I, I think if you asked me that before the season, I would say an established all-star 
on a long-term deal. Someone that's not a rental, someone that's that's not, you know, not going to potentially leave in a year. They, they would want a, a major long-term asset to maintain, to, to trade Aaron Gordon. But I don't think you're going to get that now. Right now, then, it's you're, if you're trading Aaron Gordon, you're probably looking for a youngish player uh, and, a, and a player who is got all-star potential. You know, you want, you kind of want to trade a like for like. If you're trading Aaron Gordon at this point, it's because you don't feel like Gordon fits with Jonathan Isaac. And so you're looking for sort of a, a, a similar player to Aaron Gordon that fits better with Jonathan Isaac and Marco Fultz. Because like I said, the biggest issue facing this team is their shooting. They just, they, they don't shoot the ball particularly well. They don't have players that, that defenses respect as shooters. Uh, and so I'm a big believer that, you know, again, whatever move the Magic make moving forward, they have to have shooting in mind. They have to find shooting yeah. somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's got to be a big point. And I think for me, though, the one of the arguments, obviously, is that you need to surround the team with shooting. But the reason I think Gordon fits so well, it comes back to what you said about him being a great cutter. And if we look at the game against the Charlotte Hornets, I mean, you saw that Markel Fultz, he can just thread it through the eye of a needle time and time and time again. If you get to the rim, he's going to find you. And Aaron Gordon can do that. And as you say, the Kevin O'Connor piece was really good because it highlighted all of the other ways that that the Magic could potentially use Gordon. And I think that comes into a wider thing. I don't think the team offensively is flexing its muscle um, quite the, the way it should and in as maybe as dexterous a fashion as we could in terms of the wrinkles that we've got in the offense. But I, I don't want to get too into that today because we're focused on the trade deadline. But I think there are questions need to be asked there as well. But but I mean, so, so I, I mean, but I would argue this way too, like, that that question about how the Magic run their offense and and who kind of takes the lead in the offense is very much a big question that the trade deadline and, and and the summer actually where I think the Magic will probably do a lot more of their heavy lifting. That's the question the Magic are ultimately trying to are going to answer. You know, I, I think that Steve Clifford tends to be a little rigid and a little bit hesitant to change his plans. I think that he waits until he is absolutely sure, until he's 100% certain that a that something is not working. And so he waits maybe a beat too long. Um, I think that Markel Fultz's emergence didn't catch them by surprise, but I don't think they expected him to contribute this much this soon and be this good to the point where we all can clearly see the magic are better with Markel Fultz on the floor. And and I think they're still managing his injury a little bit and managing, you know, and, and thoracic outlet syndrome is not something that goes away. He is still managing it he's still doing you know physical therapy to take care of it and make sure it doesn't flare up so don't don't pretend that that that's magically gone away pardon pardon the pun um but (laughs) but I think that I think that Orlando spent this year very much managing his injury and I think what we'll see over the summer when you know Clifford has a lot of time to play in and kind of map things out I will I do think we will see the magic shift their offense a little bit to be a little bit more full centric to to, you know, if, if Evan Fournier is still on the roster, to move Fournier more off the ball, to set up Vucevic in, in different ways and set up Gordon in different ways. And so I think I think one of the issues that the Magic are facing is they have a player who completely changes the way they play and they just, they're just not ready to completely shift over there. And so I think, again, this summer is a big summer in that Orlando is going to have new ideas, hopefully, to run their offense. If they come out next year and run the same offense, you know, regardless of who's here, I think that's a problem because Fultz is clear to me. Fultz has clearly earned more trust and clearly deserves to have a little bit more responsibility. And some of it just maybe they don't have the time to get the reps in and and make sure that everyone's on the same page. They don't want to run an offense that looks like everyone's off kilter. But 
clearly that's where they need to shift toward. And so if Gordon fits that offense, they should absolutely give that a chance, which I, I think he does. Yeah. You know, if Fournier Vucevic don't fit that offense, then it's time to really think about moving them so that you can free up the space, free up the time for Fultz to run that offense and maximize what he, what Isaac, what Gordon, what the guys that you actually care about, that you actually want to develop and build around, what they do. And I think, again, that's part of the problem with the Magic's roster right now is they're they're definitely in two worlds. And and, and I think this yeah. is, again, at the heart we've of most debates that most Magic before. fans have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we've yeah, talked about this before. Yeah, the, I mean, the Magic the Magic are very much trying to do two two things at the same time. They're trying to win and make the playoffs, and they're trying to develop young players and be a young, promising team. So, you know, a lot of people would probably say, oh, this is year seven or eight of a rebuild. They should be much further along. I disagree with that. This is year three of a rebuild, and yeah, they're ahead exactly. of schedule. Um, yeah, totally. And so the question totally. now, so the question now uh, that, that has to be answered at the trade deadline, because there are big decisions to make over Evan Fournier, you know, you know, I, I think there is a question about whether how much Nikola Vucevic fits with the with the overall long term vision of the team. The question is, how do you maintain, you know, kind of that playoff caliber team that that I think the Magic do find valuable while still developing and giving these young players more responsibility? This is a big summer for that, and and certainly I think we'll see that previewed a little bit here at the trade deadline. Yeah, but the good thing is we're in the, the East where the 7th and 8th seeds are really pretty weak. So on that basis, you can still make the playoffs and you're essentially getting a bit of a gimme into the, the, the sort of lower seeds while still having that sort of latitude, if you like, to, to, to bring players on and, and, and to give the younger guys some, some reps, as you say. Now... On the subject of Fultz, I am very much in the in the category of just like let's give the dude the keys, man. Let's let's just let him play his game and and basically build the team around him because he can be he can be the the sort of guy that makes the rest of the planets move round about him. He can be the center of the magic solar system moving forward, and that is something that that really excites fans. As you say, you were quite right to point out um, that the thoracic outlet syndrome is is something that will persist. So obviously one of the risks of doing that is potentially there could be another flare up and, and he could have injury problems in years to come. But you mentioned the fit of Nikola Vucevic because last season we had a, a decently serviceable lower seed playoff team um, with Nikola Vucevic as, as the centre of the magic solar system to use to use that analogy again. And he, he was he was brilliant last year. It was his all-star season. It, it might prove to be his only all-star season. We don't know. But um, he, he was playing at a great level, and it was because the team was built around making him sort of basically the, the best assets of his game, maximizing um, the efficacy of those. Now, if you begin to move more towards a Markel Fultz driven sort of thing, then what does Nikola Vucevic become? He becomes a guy that, that basically finishes in the paint for you and occasionally stretches it a bit. And yeah, he can pass a bit, but his lack of sort of athleticism would probably negate some of the things that, that the Markel Fultz could probably do, although he is obviously a very intelligent basketball player. So that brings us on to the onto the topic of Vucevic. There hasn't been much in terms of whispers about him, but if you were to get a, an offer that seemed at least commensurate in terms of the assets that you got back, would you, not the, I'm not talking about the organisation, because let's be honest, I don't think they would entertain a trade for Vooch unless it was something staggering at this point. But would you be tempted to say, right, we're getting some good assets back, maybe say a good player, um, even a couple of good players to, to sort of make the contracts work. 
and um I'm talking sort of not all-star caliber, but above league average players, maybe a couple of those and some nice picks. Would you be tempted to pull the trigger? Probably not at this trade deadline. Um, I, I don't think I don't think there's there's probably not going to be anything that pushes me to trade Vooch by Thursday. Um, I I am a a big believer still that that. You don't trade Vucevic until, and I've, I've always believed this about him, you know, going back several years. You don't trade or move Vucevic until you feel comfortable you have his replacement, whether that's through a trade or not. And with Mo Bamba, I, I really don't think that that replacement is anyone but Mo Bamba. And so at this point, it's still, you know, uh, the struggle for Orlando, and again, everything about the Magic and everything they do at the trade deadline is about their future. You know, I, I think that the Magic want to maintain a playoff team this year. Um, and so I don't think they'll do anything that will really hurt the team and, you know, kind of turn things completely over. They're not they're not about to start Mo Bamba tomorrow. I, I don't think that's that's what they want to do. And so I think Vooch should feel fairly safe that, that he'll be in a Magic uniform come Friday or come Thursday night's game. Uh, but... Still, the the bit one of the big questions the Magic have is is how do you develop Mo Bamba when he's playing behind your best player, a guy who's going to play 32 minutes a night? Uh, you know, you, you talk about Monday's game, for instance. Mo had a really impactful game. I, I thought it was one of his best games. I think he's played exceptionally well over the last you know week and a half, two weeks almost. He, he's stringing together a lot of really quality games. Yeah, he only played 11 and a half minutes on Monday in Monday night's game. Like it was that's crazy was, given the impact it he was had. Crazy. Yeah, and it felt like he played so much more. It felt like, you know, maybe his first stint he wasn't as active or as as strong, but he's put together some really strong games where, where his impact is felt and he's still not playing a lot. So I, I agree that there there is definitely a need to find Mo more minutes. And and some might say, oh, why don't they play him at the four? I think the decision not to play him at the four is more of a de- developmental one. They, they want him playing and learning how to play center. And, and so I think that that's... Part of why he's not playing. I think that's a de- developmental decision as much as anything. But they're still trying to develop Mo. They're still trying to groom Mo for that spot. And so, you know, this is a a big summer for Mo. If if he can put on the muscle and prove that he can, you know, be, you know, kind of bang around and, and do center things, then it's going to be tough to justify keeping Vucevic. Um, I, I don't think Vucevic is quite ripe for a trade. He's just signed that four year deal. I don't think there's a lot of teams willing to take on those long, that long-term salary right now, um, especially because teams are trying to clear cap for 2021, um, which is, mm-hmm. ironically, some of the Magic will probably come into to a little bit of cap room as well. Um, I, don't think that, I don't think that Vucevic has much of a market yet. Um, I think p- teams know that he is a valuable, consistent player, but at his salary, at least for the first year, maybe two years of that contract, probably not something that the Magic are going to be able to deal effectively. And so... Uh, you know, I, I, it's not that the Magic are stuck with Vucevic. I think that they're happy to have him. I think that he can fit into an offense with Markel Fultz, uh, you know, as as the primary in- initiator because Vucevic is a pretty solid screener and rebounder and can spread the floor, uh, you know, and, and that's something the Magic desperately need right now. But I, I really think that that Vucevic is still necessary for this team at the moment. Maybe not at the high usage that the Magic have played him at, but he's still very necessary to, to kind of make a lot of things work and just kind of hold the, hold the spot until Mo's ready.
Hey there, I'm coming to you now with a little bit of a break from our conversation with Stuart, just to give a couple of notes here, uh, just just so you guys are aware of what, what's going on. Stuart and I recorded this podcast uh, Tuesday afternoon, or Tuesday or late morning, uh, obviously before the four-team trade and before anything else that happens after I finish recording or editing this here at about midnight on uh, on Wednesday morning. So a lot obviously going on in the NBA and a lot of things happening before Thursday's trade deadline. And you also have a chance to get involved in the action. You can win two tickets to see your favorite team in their home arena by guessing an NBA trade perfectly before it happens. That's right, you can pre-bomb the Woj bomb, although there have been some early lobs and early early things coming down uh, uh, here uh, here, here in the early going before the trade deadline. Post the trade you think will happen. Obviously, one is now off the board. Post a trade you think you think will happen. Tag five people with your trade in your post. If you're right, then you have a chance to win two tickets to see your favorite team play in their home arena. Trades will be evaluated based on players and picks, not cash. Don't worry about that part. If multiple people win, the first person with the correct trade is the winner. One winner will be chosen across all Locked On social accounts. So again, go to any of the Locked On NBA Net accounts on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. That's at Locked On NBA Net uh, to enter your trade. And if you get the right, if you pick the trade correctly, you could win tickets to your favorite team. One winner will be chosen across all Locked On social accounts. If no one guesses the exact trade, the winner will be the one closest to the pin as determined by the people that determine these things. Go now and pre-bomb the Woj Bomb with your trade deadline trade at Locked On NBA Net. And just in case you were wondering, as I was saying this, as I was doing this promo here, it's it's just a little bit after midnight here on, on Wednesday that the trade came down. I got an email from David Locke, who's in charge of the Locked On Network, said, um, it is not the first trade, it is any trade. So, this contest is still going on even though a major trade is broken. Don't submit that one. We'll know that you, you did it after the trade was announced. Um, and, and and no one got the 12 players right on the deal that that went down. So the contest is still open. Again, on any of the Locked On NBA Net social accounts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, correct, correctly guess a trade exactly and you have a chance to win two tickets to your favorite team's home game. Check it out now, and also follow Locked On NBA Net, and check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we'll be back to our conversation with Stuart shortly. Yeah, and there's also the fact that he can help with Mo's development. He's a great culture guy, Vooch, um, and he's one of the players that I really enjoy it. Like, even when we were leading by over a dozen against Charlotte, um, I think it was, I don't know, I think there was a mistake in an inbounds pass or something, and you just see the frustration there. Vooch holds himself to high standards. He, he's, he's, he's a player that he's, he's lost for so long with the Magic, and now that we're, we're, we're not quite the sort of bottom feeders in the league that we once were, I think... I think he's he's wanting to try and grow with the team, and there's nobody I would like to see succeed and maybe win a playoff series more um, with the Magic than than Nikola Vucevic because of all of those things. But just on the topic of Mo, um, in that game against Charlotte, I mean, you look at the stats. I think he was five for six from the field, including it was a couple of threes, um, hit two yep. of two, um, couple seven of rebounds, two blocks. Yeah, I mean, it's really impressive. Again, seven rebounds, three offensive, two blocks. Like, it's it doing it's a good. lot of the things that 
he he has to be able to do. And and those blocks were not him chasing guys; they were him positioning. And it's no, you know, that's it, the big. It, thing. I know that's the big yeah, thing for I mean, he's, me because he's, I I think what we've seen with Bamba is we've seen all the ingredients are there, and it almost looked there was a sort of timid element to his game in terms of going in and banging about with the other bigs. But Zeller is one of the guys that sort of knows what it takes to to, to sort of bang around in the paint in this league. And what impressed me about Mo is he wasn't doing it through sort of the sheer bulk or size that, that he was using. He was just putting his body in the right places. And that's what he hadn't been doing up to this point. I think the long arms and the blocks and stuff in college, yeah, you saw that, the, I mean, obviously with the wingspan and stuff, that the, there was something there to work with. But it seems that he's now getting just that bit of sort of IQ, that bit of sort of finesse mentally of knowing where to be to make sure he grabs the rebounds to make sure his guy doesn't get a free run to the rim and it's those sort of intangible aspects that I that, that are really exciting me about Mo Bamba because I think I've said before I've described him as a Swiss army knife in terms of the amount of things that he can do so if you can marry that with the bit of nous that you need to succeed in this league, I think you've got a very exciting player. And I mean, there have been murmurs. I've, I've seen a few people tweeting about how the Magic should be looking to trade Mo Bamba. That is an absolute nonsense. The guy's coming along so, so nicely. And giving up on him, if you could even call it that, would, would be wrong. Because Mo Bamba is... Uh, we've got Markel Fultz, we've got Jonathan Isaac, and now I believe we've got Mo Bamba, who looks like a player that could be a real, real force in this league as well in the years to come. Yeah, and, and again, it's with with any of those young players. You know, Isaac's probably probably completely untouchable. Fultz is probably completely untouchable. If you're trading Mo Bamba, you better be getting back an All Star. Uh, you know, maybe that's a little too much, um, but he. I, I believe the Magic still view him as a big part of their future. I believe that they they understood he would be developing at a fairly slow. You know, not a slow play, slow pace, but he would need a lot of time. Uh, and so I think that that's. That's. I think this is all part of the process that the Magic had in, had in mind for him. I, I don't think anything that he's done or where he's at has surprised the Magic at all. I mean, the injuries have been a setback. That's the only thing that's really kind of set him back, maybe, uh, and, and certainly in big men that 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 can that can linger a little bit. And he's starting to really show show off a little bit. So I, I don't think that he is on the trade market. And again, like so many other things, it's about it's about finding ways to maximize their potential and maximize their development. And again, I think I think if there's a criticism about the Magic, yes, they are trying to win. I think they do value putting these young players in winning situations. That's abs- I absolutely agree with that 100%. But I do think that sometimes the way the Magic play does not maximize what Aaron Gordon can do, what Markel Fultz can do, what, what even Jonathan Isaac can do to some extent. And certainly Mo Bamba is struggling to find minutes. And so I think, again, balancing that trying to win – create a winning culture, create a winning team where winning is valuable, even on a small scale. Like I get it. You don't want to just be happy making the playoffs, but winning even on a small scale helps development, helps create a culture, helps create an expectation of what this team is about. And so I think that that that's still kind of something the Magic are trying to find a balance on. And, and I think, again, this summer, I anticipate a lot more moves and a lot a, a lot more activity to kind of show, to kind of move the Magic toward that direction, uh, it, it, you know, kind of bringing it back to this trade deadline. It's really difficult for me to see the Magic making a move that hurts their team in the short term, you know, significantly. Even if it does help their team uh, in the long term, it's just there's a there's a balance that has to be found between the short term and long term gains for this team. Yeah, I totally agree on that score. So that 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 brings us quite neatly on to um, Evan Fournier. How much does it hurt the team in the short term 
if you get rid of Evan Fournier? That is that is my question because yeah, he's I'm not arguing that he's he's a very good player, um, and I think he could do it. The thing about Fournier is there's a market because of his contract situation and the fact. I mean, slightly negated by the player option, but I still think there's definitely a market there for him. Um, but I, I think the other thing about Fournier is. I almost feel like he would be better served maybe offering a scoring punch off the bench for a contender than he would be um, sort of doing what he's doing with the Magic because just the nature of his game and the way he likes to play, I think, detracts from a lot of the other assets that we've got. He's made it work with Vucevic over the years where they've kind of traded um, in, in terms of prominence, but I also think at different stages of that, there have been other players that have suffered and are, are not been allowed to to maybe flower the way they quite could um, as part of the Magic team and as part of the, the, their sort of rotations as a result of that that sort of ball hogging that, that seems to annoy um, a lot of a lot of Magic fans quite a lot of the time. And I can understand that frustration. And I am very much in the camp now of yeah, I, I would take what you can get for Evan Fournier. Um, and, and get them off the books. Like I'm not necessarily looking for a massive return on it because I think we make the playoffs without Evan Fournier. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm still trying to kind of. I'm still. I'm more conservative on this front. Um, I, I'm someone that is knows a little bit more cautious, but I, I, I'm in. I'm in a little bit of the same boat. I think. You know, I think that it's really difficult for me to justify. And I, and I like Evan Fournier. I do, I do like him as a player. And I, I do think the magic have miscast him a lot this season as, as kind of a primary playmaker and primary scorer, which that he is absolutely not. Um, I, I think that, I think that the magic simply can't afford to pay him this summer. Um, you know, I think Fournier has, as, as, you know, has an opportunity here to be one of the best free agents on this market. Um, and it's a, it's a bad free agent, free agent class, which honestly should be obvious by, by that statement. Um, he's got, you know, he's got a, a big, uh, you know, he's got a, a chance to get one last big contract, I think. And, and the Magic probably need him more than any other team. So, you know, even if he doesn't get traded, I absolutely would expect Fournier to opt out and force the Magic to make a decision. You know, say, give me another four-year deal. You know, that's what I'm looking for. Four years, kind of maybe the same money around $17 million. Give me another deal, and, and I just don't think that the Magic can afford to do that because they've got, you know, summer of twenty twenty one. They've got to pay Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz, and and if those guys are as good as we think they are, they're going to get big contracts. After that, you got to play, you got to pay Mo Bamba, um, and so those those contracts are going to come up very very quickly. And you know, Orlando is not a team that has a lot of cap flex- flexibility at the moment anyway. You got to make those decisions very very soon, um, and and you got to start again shifting the team toward what you ultimately want to be. And Fournier, for all that he's done, uh, you know, probably doesn't quite fit that, even though the Magic need his shooting. Now, what does that mean for this year? Um, you know, I, I think that the Magic are absolutely prepared to let him walk. I think that I don't think there's there's a plan or an intention to re-sign him unless it's to a short-term deal, maybe a one or two-year deal, which I don't think Fournier would go for. So the question then is, what are you looking for in return? Um, you know, I would think that the Magic understand this market, that they're not going to get a player of sort of equal value. They're not going to get another kind of guy, a guy who can score 20 points every night that like Fournier has for, mo- for most of the season. Um, I-, I think that Orlando is probably looking at young players, young players who maybe haven't gotten a full opportunity on, on their teams and then maybe a big salary just to help match it that maybe the Magic can sit on for, no- for a year or two. 
Um, and again, I don't think it can be much longer than that. Um, and, and I'm looking at this market and there just aren't a lot of names that interest me on that front. You know, I think a lot of fans have fixated on Malik Beasley of the, of the Nuggets. I, I don't think that he is quite what the Magic are looking for. I don't think he's quite the shooter the Magic are looking for. Um, and, and again, Fournier is such an important player as just a shooter, as just someone who spaces the floor on this team, that I think giving giving him away or, or not getting a rotation caliber or even starter caliber player in return, which I, I'm not seeing them getting quite yet, I, I think that that would really hurt them this year. And I don't think the Magic are quite ready to do that. Yes, they have a four-game lead on the Bulls for eighth. Um, but I think Orlando would probably like to avoid eight, the eighth seed if they can. Um, you know, I think that they they recognize that just being in the playoffs is isn't enough. That they want to be in a series that they can compete in. And this team ain't beating Milwaukee. Uh, honestly, yeah. If they if they played Milwaukee in the first round, it, I think they'd get swept and yeah. swept pretty handily. Um, you know, I just I, especially with all the injuries they face. You know, if this team isn't at full strength, they, they don't really they don't really have a chance against Milwaukee. Um, you know, against Miami. You know they probably you know against Miami or Boston. Yeah, they probably lose, but they definitely get they might they might get a game, maybe two, and and that would be something a little bit more competitive of a series. But you know, I I, I just don't see a deal that benefits the Magic enough long term to give up the short term benefit that Evan Fournier gives you. And so you know, I, I think there's the absolutely real and probable possibility that the Magic just let Fournier walk at the end of the season and figure out a way to replace him. Uh, once we get there, I mean, obviously they have Chumo Kiki in their back pocket. Uh, you know, I think they have some yep. trade options that they could they could explore as well. Um, you know, we could see how young guys develop. Um, you know, you know, maybe you know, you know, they 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 have they have some guys that that they can that they can turn to. But it's definitely still you know a, a question, and it's a big question that this Magic team has to answer that 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 I don't quite have the answer for yet. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the name Malik Beasley. He's one of the ones that's been mentioned in dispatches. Another one is Luke Kennard, um, who does seem to have, on the face of it, quite a lot of the things the Magic need. He's a good shooter. Um, I would say he's an above-average player uh, in the league already, um, maybe maybe slightly, and he's also quite young. He's only 23 years old. Um, there's a lot to like about Luke Kennard, but there's obviously a few injury concerns there as well, and the Pistons, I mean, let's be honest, they're not going to do something to help the Magic move the needle at this point, are they? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, they're, I mean, the Pistons are in a weird spot because they, they I think they've kind of, and the same recognition of the Magic, they feel like they've reached their ceiling, but they don't have a lot of young guys to build around. They got Blake Griffin, which is nice, and Derek Rose has been obviously a really good story this year, but, you know, they're, they're looking to shop Andre Drummond around. You know, he's got an, ex- he's going to be free agent this summer. It's not clear they're going to resign him, so... It's not really clear what direction the Pistons want to go in, but at least nominally, they could still give say, "Hey, we got an outside shot at the playoffs." You know, if Blake can come back healthy, um, you know, maybe they 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 think that that they could sneak back in into the race, but it, it's not likely. So the Pistons are are kind of in more of a no man's land than Orlando is in a lot of ways, and and I think it's mm. it's pretty unlikely that that the two teams will deal with each other. Yeah, I would say that seems to be seems to be the the, the thick of it. Now, on, in terms of sort of whispers that have been heard, there's, I mean, it's been a really quiet deadline, sort of league wide. There really doesn't seem to be. I mean, there's a few things in the offing. Um, talk of a, a massive four team trade that might be happening. Clint Capella obviously been mentioned quite a bit. But in terms of the magic, you've obviously got your ear to the ground. Um, you're there. You're on the beat covering the team for for the home games. Now, with that in mind, do you 
have you heard anything? Is there anything you can maybe reveal to to sort of locked on Magic fans that that we might not already know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that the Magic do a very good job organizationally of keeping everything very much in house. Um, you know, I would say that if you look at a lot of the reporting about the Magic, it's come from people who probably aren't people you would think of as magic sources. Um, you know, the, the latest report, of course, was uh, Mark Berman of the New York Post writing that, that the magic had at least inquired about Dennis Smith Jr. And, and Dennis Smith Jr. A- actually happens to fit into the disabled player exception the magic got for Al Farouk Aminu. So, you know, maybe there's something there, probably, probably not. Um, it, it, there's there, The magic just do a very good job kind of keeping everything in-house. And so it, it's very difficult to get an understanding of where the magic are at. I mean, I think you even saw a guy like Zach Lowe say, you know, I have no clue what the Magic are going to do with Evan Fournier. They very well could eat him. They very well could decide to, to re-sign him, and nothing would nothing would surprise me. No one has a no one at least publicly has a feel for what they're going to do. So, you know, a lot. I think a lot of these things kind of happen on the road. Unfortunately, I don't I don't get to travel with the team very much. Um, I always joke that that when the Magic are inside the Amway Center, they all know where to hide, and it's a big building. There's a lot of places to hide. Um, but but I do think that <laughs> from what I understand and, and, and things that I have heard. Um, the magic, uh, the magic front office, the magic executives are just as frustrated and and you know kind of you know disappointed. Probably isn't th- is too strong of a word, but they they feel the team hasn't quite lived up to its expectations either. That they they recognize the injuries are a part of that. That you know they they certainly felt like a season like this was very possible and and and, uh, and at least a a not a, a a probable outcome, but a a potential outcome that that had a high likelihood of happening. Um, they understand that. This group still needs a lot, and 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 yeah. and there's still things that they need to adjust. And so, you know, I think that they share a lot of the fans' frustrations. I think that they share a lot of uh, a lot of the things that that everyone is feeling with this team. Um, and now it's just about executing and finding the right deals to push this team forward. Because you know, they would probably say, like, look, we're we're still in the playoff hunt. That's ultimately still where we want to be. It's it's maybe not the the forward progress we all hoped for. But we're still in the playoff hunt, and and even though that's a small thing, it is a thing. It 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 may not be anything, but it certainly is something. Uh, <laughs> and so the magic, I think, I think the magic understand the front office certainly understands that there is still work to do, and and now it's just about getting to that work, whether it happens uh, this week or whether it happens in the summer. Just a few things here I want to wrap up, just kind of some insider knowledge. Uh, I want to thank Stuart, first off, for, for coming on the show and, and helping clarify some issues here as the trade deadline approaches. I hope that you enjoyed our conversation uh, about where the Magic stand as the trade deadline approaches on Thursday at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, as things go with the podcasting world, we had some issues with our audio tracks. Um, the, the program I was using, uh, unfortunately, would not download the entirety of our interview. So I, I was able to clip off what I was able to clip off. And so again, I want to thank Stuart. I'll, I'll circle back to him, tell you where to follow him in just a moment. But I did want to come back on here uh, at the end of the show and kind of discuss some of the things that, that we talked about at the end of, of our recording that, that I do think are important points to bring up, bring across. And, and again, I think Stuart, uh, the reason why I bring him back on to kind of, kind of help a, a add another voice, because I know some of you probably get tired of listening to me drone on the way that I do. Um, but, but, you know, asking me more pointed questions, forcing me to answer questions that, so I don't have to ask my own questions all the time. 
I, I think is is really valuable, especially at times like these. But the we did discuss two more points that, that I think are really, really important to bring up. So I do want to come back here on my own. So I'll monologue here a little bit. Uh, I did want to come back here and, and make sure that we brought those points to the forefront. Um, the first point is, is this, that, you know, this trade deadline and this summer are going to answer some very, very big questions about the Magic. The kind of the very heart of the issue for the Orlando Magic is kind of uh, at the forefront right now. Um, we've talked about it a little bit here on the podcast already. Uh, every conversation that I see on Magic Twitter and, and among Magic fans is, is really getting to this conversation and, and this point. And it's, I think it's, it is a point that we kind of knew was, you know, in the background a little bit of, of the entire season, of this entire project. And, and that is, at what point do you turn things over to the young players? You know, uh, say what you want. And, and I, I think I said this uh, in, in the earlier part of the podcast here. This is not year eight of the Magic's rebuild. This is year three. Year three of Jeff Waltman and John Hammond. This is a team that is still kind of, you know, we see what kind of identity they want this team to have and the kind of players that they value, um, but it's still very much coming together. And yes, they re-signed Nikola Vucic, they re-signed Terrence Ross, they, they do own those players a little bit, but those are players of the previous regime. And I think one of the big things that we are waiting for is to see this team turned over to the young players, to the guys that, yes, Jeff Weltman and John Hammond draft and chose and selected to be here. And again, they, they definitely re-signed Nikola Vucevic. They definitely re-signed Aaron Gordon. They definitely re-signed Terrence Ross. You know, they, they do have ownership over some of these players, if not, you know, kind of selecting them, kind of handpicking them the way that you would think. And... We, you know, it, it, it feels like we are a little bit at that point. The Magic entered the season bringing everyone back, thinking and hoping that they would see internal improvement enough to take a, another step, to take a step to where they can play in a very competitive playoff series, where they could compete for home court advantage as some people thought in the offseason. To do that, it would take Jonathan Isaac becoming a whole lot better. He certainly did. Injuries have played a factor there. It would take Aaron Gordon taking a step forward. That has not happened. Certainly has not happened. And it would take Evan Fournier, you know, bouncing back from a bad year and regressions from everyone else not being too severe. To say the least, yes, the Magic, this season has not gone according to that plan. Um, This season has been frustrating to say the least because, you know, it... It, it feels like some of those young players that, that the Magic actually care about. And, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll say it. I think, I think that the, this team really cares about Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, Markel Fultz, and, and to some extent still Aaron Gordon. It certainly feels like those players are kind of capped off a little bit. And this team as a whole, with all those expectations, with that playoff experience, with really a schedule set up for them to make a little bit of a run, they have fallen woefully short. And again, I think we all sense it. This team feels like it is bumping against its ceiling. It may not be at its ceiling, and certainly injuries have played a role, but even if this team were healthy, I find it hard to believe that they'd be seriously competitive for six. They might have like seventh on lock if, if Isaac had stayed healthy, if, if everyone had stayed healthy. Um, and certainly the health has kind of knocked them off of rhythm, uh, but 
it's it's a testament to how much that playoff experience mattered that they're still in seventh or eighth that they're so comfortably in the playoffs. So I I would say this: without the playoffs last year, this team is not in the playoff hunt this year. Um, I do think that that playoff experience mattered and has gotten them to a point where they feel very confident. And I, I think we can sit here confidently say the Magic are one of the eight best teams in the East. I don't think if they didn't have that experience last year, I don't think we'd be saying that today. So again, I do think that matters. I still think playoff experience matters, and I think that the Magic should push forward to make the playoffs. But it also feels like we are at a very similar point. And I think Magic history is instructive here. I think I mentioned it before, but I will mention it again here. During the 2007 season, the Magic finished, I believe, 40-42, and 8th in the Eastern Conference. They got swept out of the first round by the Detroit Pistons. You know, obviously, one of the, a great Detroit Pistons team in 2007 still. Um, still a very capable Pistons team. They were the top seed in the East that year. It was Dwight Howard's first playoff experience. And the Magic kind of understood, and, and you got to give Otis Smith the credit here, they kind of understood that they were a team that could do a whole lot more. And they obviously had a young star in Dwight Howard that they wanted to grow and give a lot more faith into. And, and Howard had a fantastic season that year, I believe. If that was not his, I believe that was his first year as an All-Star. I might be wrong on that, but it was clear Howard was about to break through. And the Magic knew that he was not going to break through unless certain players were removed from the roster. A lot of fans tend to blame Grant Hill for leaving Orlando. A lot of fans thought that he owed the Magic to take a discount. Well, everything that I that I had read and I had heard about that situation, that was not the truth. That, that was never the truth. Um, and that was, that was just a, a weird fan thing, I think. The truth from everything that I've heard about what happened with Grant Hill was both the Magic and Grant Hill kind of understood it was a long seven years. They, they both wanted to mutually part ways. But more than anything else, the Magic knew that if Grant Hill stayed on that roster, Dwight Howard and Jameer Nelson to some extent were always going to defer to Grant Hill. He was the veteran. He was a veteran all-star. Was all, I mean, he had, a, he had a great 2007 season. They were always going to defer to him and they were never going to grow as leaders and as players if they were not pushed to the front. And so the Magic made the decision, and that gave them the cap room to go sign Richard Lewis. So, you know, Grant Hill leaving was a good thing at the end of the day. They made the decision to let Grant Hill walk. Bring in Richard Lewis, bring in Stan Van Gundy, obviously. But more than anything else, that made Dwight Howard the guy. And obviously, the rest is history. Two years later, they're in the NBA Finals. Now, obviously, the Magic this year do not have a Dwight Howard. As good as Jonathan Isaac is, I don't see him becoming Dwight Howard anytime soon. Uh, defensive impact, you know, maybe he gets there. Maybe, maybe, probably not. But certainly, this team still has a lot of building to do to get there. But the point remains. We are getting to a point, or it feels like with the team reaching its ceiling, that they're at a point where they do have to consider, and probably have to, make moves that push these guys forward. Now, I'm a big believer that having veterans on the roster still matters. Having veterans uh, in, in, in big roles still matter. Having Hito Turkle and Richard Lewis on those Magic rosters probably helped Dwight Howard a lot. Helped Dwight Howard and Jimmy Nelson become the leaders that they eventually became. Helped the Magic 
obviously win the Eastern Conference Finals, win three straight Southeast Division championships. And so that piece of the puzzle would be important for this Magic team. And so I think one of the big questions that, that we're asking or, or that the team has to ask itself as, as it, as, as it uh, analyzes what to do at the trade deadline as well as what to do in the offseason, where again, I think there will be a whole lot more movement. One of the things it has to understand or has to come to realize is are these guys ready to take that step? Are these guys ready to lead this team? Are they ready to get the keys to the Corvette, so to speak? And I think that is really the question the Magic have to answer. I, I, I'm not sure they are completely ready. But it might be time to throw them into the deep end. Now, that doesn't mean you take the first offer you get. That I still think you have to search for good deals. I, I'm still a believer of the return matters. But certainly, that is kind of a, a preview of, of where the Magic stand, I think. The other point I wanted to make before we closed out here is about the trade market itself uh, in the NBA. Obviously, we just saw a big four-team deal. I apologize that the podcast was a little bit dated. We talked a lot about Malik Beasley. There's you know plenty of idle fan speculation that the Magic could trade Evan Fournier to the to the Nuggets for Malik Beasley. Um, you know, and and some other pieces from Denver. Obviously, Denver just spent a lot of those pieces in a four-team deal. Malik Beasley. I don't even know which team he's heading off to at this point, but uh, the Rockets sending Clint Capella to the to the to the Hawks, the Timberwolves sending Robert Covington to the Rockets, and a whole bunch of players going to a whole bunch of different places. Chabaz uh, Napier is ending up in in Denver, I think. It's 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 going to be a messy four team trade, and 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 certainly a, a deal that is very rare. You don't see a lot of four team trades. I, I would imagine the last four team trade was the Magic's Dwight Howard trade, um, where they when they acquired Nikola Vucevic back in two thousand back in a uh, back in two thousand thirteen or two thousand twelve. Um, and again, that happened in the summer. That happened in August of that year. So I'll have the email. Um, so what I, what I think you were seeing there is, A, Houston was trying to get on the luxury tax. I, you know, I think that was a big impetus for what they, they tried to do here. Um, but one of the things that I think we're seeing in this trade market is there aren't a lot of teams selling off players. There's a lot of teams that think they can still make a push for the playoffs, and so they're not willing to part with key players on those teams because they can they, they, they still think they can be competitive. The trade deadline to me, for the most part, you're trying to do one of two things. You're trying to solidify your team for the playoffs in the upcoming year, or you're trying to set yourself up for the summer ahead. Like the Hawks getting Clint Capella, that was essentially a free agency move. The Hawks have a ton of cap room. They didn't have to send much out. They had cap room to absorb Clint Capella to begin with. Um, and so that was really a free agency move. That was really a move to set up their summer. You know, they don't care if Clint Capella probably plays the rest of the year. They'll take the draft pick at this point. The Magic then are in a weird spot because they probably want to act like buyers. They probably want to find guys that solidify their roster, but they're not willing to give up long-term assets to get it. So, so any little tweak to the roster isn't, isn't going to come um, uh, is it going to come without a long-term sacrifice? And, and the magic probably aren't willing to make many long-term sacrifices. They're, any deal they make is a big picture deal. And big picture deals 
are usually done by sellers. And so I think why we're not seeing a lot of activity with the magic is the magic want to act like buyers, but the market is treating them like sellers. We were talking about Evan Fournier getting dealt for Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley is not as good as Evan Fournier. And I, I don't think Malik Beasley is a good enough return for Evan Fournier. I just, I just let him walk at that point. So that's really kind of where the Magic stand and why I don't think we're going to see anything. I, I think, honestly, that the best chance the Magic have to make a deal at this deadline is Ken Birch. Find someone that needs some center help and move Ken Birch. You know, he's making $3 million this year. Next year, that's, that's a salary that a team can absorb. They, they wouldn't mind that. And so if, if, if there's a deal to be made, I think it's something small, uh, small like that. Uh, you know, I would have said that DJ Augustine would have been a likely candidate to get traded, um, but his injury probably prevents that. And so I think that that is part of the incongruity of this trade deadline and why, the ma- why I don't anticipate the Magic to be very active. Or they're active. I think that they're trying. But I don't anticipate the Magic making a deal because they're not willing to sacrifice their playoff positioning. And there are four games up on Chicago, so you know maybe they can take a little bit of a hit. But I, I would argue being eighth doesn't do anything for you if you're going to get swept by the Bucks. You know, not that you should get a lottery pick, still make the playoffs, but you're not gaining much getting swept by the Bucks. This Bucks team with this team, if this is our first playoff trip, getting swept by the Bucks would be an incredibly valuable experience. Getting beat by the Raptors the way the Magic got beat, I think, was a good experience for them. The question is. How do you move forward? And again, I think the only way the Magic do that is to finish seventh and, and play the Heat, play the Celtics, play the Sixers, be, you know, try and be in a competitive series. And, and I think the Magic take a game or two from either of those teams. Um, I'm not saying they win. I don't think they win those series. And, and taking a game would still, I think, be a minor victory. And so the Magic aren't willing to sacrifice that. But the market wants them to. And that's why I think the Magic are going to have to wait until the summer to make these deals. And again, with the free agency landscape the way it is this summer, with so few teams having cap room, with so few free agents being available, I think that I think that the summer is where they will make these kinds of deals and answer these kinds of questions. And I think that's just honestly where the Magic stand at the moment. Well, I want to thank you again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Um, before I close out, I want to thank Stuart again for coming on the show. Um, he, again, I apologize to him for uh, for our, um, our our audio our, our recording issues and our and our audio issues here on the show. He had a, a really nice statement um, that he made um, twice actually because we recorded twice, but a really nice statement that he made. Um, Stuart works uh, for Sky Sports NBA um, in in the UK. Um, he he had a really nice statement, and I'm not going to do it justice. But but he also wanted to send his condolences to uh, the the whole basketball world, and certainly to the Bryant family. Um, Kobe Bryant, obviously, uh, in Stewart's words, um, Kobe Bryant was um, the the kind of the the embodiment of David Stern's vision of international basketball. Um, obviously, born in Italy, while well, his dad was playing in Italy, um, kind of a worldly player, uh, a guy that. That uh, everyone in the in the league in, in the around the world knew of and respected and 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 watched play and and was in, was inspired to play this game, uh, and so uh, you know certainly certainly a, a tough loss. And so Stewart wanted to to to, send, to express his thoughts uh, on that. And again, I'm not giving them justice, but I wanted to make sure that I got that in as well. Uh, you can follow Stewart on Twitter at Haji the Hack. That's H O D G E Y the Hack H A C K. Haji the Hack, if you want to uh, read more of his stuff, he, he, he writes for Sky Sports Net uh, on their NBA section 
uh, over in the UK. So good to have him. Uh, good to have him come on and and, and kind of uh, provide a different voice and a different different bit of perspective here on the show. I want to thank him for coming on uh, as well. Uh, you can find me, of course, on Twitter at Philip R underscore MD. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Apple Music. I keep saying iTunes on Apple Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the other places on the podcast to your podcast enabled listening device. You can again find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. The Orlando Magic are back in action on Wednesday against the Boston Celtics. Tip off is at seven thirty at TD Garden. The game is on ESPN, the Magic on national TV for the first time this year. And of course, Aaron Gordon back in the dunk contest. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get a little bit closer to the dunk contest, asterisk, assuming Gordon is still back on the team. Whew, that was a long episode. That was a lot. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're ready for the trade deadline. We're coming up on it on Thursday. We'll have plenty more coming up on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. We'll talk more about the Magic's game against the Celtics. I am a game freak. I apologize, but we'll talk about the latest going on around the NBA as we enter the trade deadline. So until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.